0: Hey everybody, I'm Nico. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to This Is X. We find ourselves smack dab toward the final act of X of Swords, Ten of Swords, Crossing of Swords, whatever it out how have we not ever gone with Crossing of Swords? Huh. Huh.
1: It's not it's not a very common interpretation of X in Western culture.
0: No, I guess it's not. And that's a really interesting thing to realize, especially because so much of this arc wound up being about how intersections result in bizarre outcomes, people you would never think interacting, leads to some strange things. For instance, I still can't get myself over how good Jamie Braddock looks in Sinister's cape.
1: Oh, no, it belongs to him now. Like, there's no there's no way around that.
0: No, there really isn't. Now, in this next clip, while we won't get any Jamie Braddock or Mr. Sinister, what we do get is a high-energy, spirited discussion between Rod, Raven, and Arturo, where they break down the intricacies of Storm's triumphant victory in the pages of X-Force 15, as well as going very, very deep into their own relationship with the X-Men as a narrative. It was a lot of fun to listen to and edit, so I hope you guys enjoy it as well.
2: This is X's for podcasts, and I'm Arturo. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mister Toybox. And with me today, I have Raven.
3: Uh, hello, this is Raven, also known as Dame Red Bento. Type that in, you'll find me Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. I'm working on getting a new computer so I can create new content on a level that is actually sufficient. But yeah, come find me. I'd love to know you. And also with us is
4: Rod.
5: Hey, you can find me at. Rod, the on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also working on becoming more lovable and just trying to be a nice person. Here we go.
4: It's
2: a work in progress. I'm so so happy to have you both here with me. All right. So today we're talking about X-Force 14, which is Ten of Swords, Chapter 17, written by Benjamin Percy with some more breathtaking art by Josh Kassara and colors by Guru FX. We were promised sword fights, but Saturnine has deceived us all. After the first few rounds and a surprising wedding, Captain Britain has been shattered into a million pieces and the mutants of Krakoa are trailing four to two. Right out of the gate, we see our very first rematch, Iliana versus Pog or Pog in unarmed combat. All right, let's get into it. Uh, X Force 14, I think, uh, did a really nice job of continuing the fuckery of Saturnine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that this this entire event is not for everybody. And I Mm -mm. think that is totally okay. I think that is that is valid. I too, Rod, am working on uh being nice and not
3: being (laughs) not being sure as fuck ain't
2: (laughs) not being, you know, too dismissive of uh opinions I disagree with, but I, You know, it's not for everybody, but man, it's been a really fun ride and there's been so many books. I enjoyed this a lot. I enjoyed this bit from Percy so much more than Wolverine going to hell. I'll say that. I really enjoyed this because... I I was thinking about it and after the events of, of the wedding and the arm wrestling competition, when we were like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on? Mm. If we had just shifted right back into like gladiator, you know, sword fights, I think that would have been like, Okay, so what the hell was that all about? So yeah. like we're we're in it now, right? Like yeah. we, we, we should have stopped expecting a sword fight a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's I called it Saturnine's acid tea party, and I'm gonna stick With that. I think she's
3: trying to marry Brian's dick. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I
5: just saw that Gary Dugan wrote this with Benjamin Percy as well. They they tag teamed it together.
2: Ooh. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. I did not. You're you're damn right.
5: (laughs) You are damn right. I forgot about that.
2: Sorry to Uncle Jerry for, for cutting you (laughs) out of there. And I mean, well, and that, you know, that speaks to this whole event, like what a cool and collaborative work it is. I mean, everybody's definitely pitching in and, and taking notes from each other and, uh, and just kind of holding hands and and getting this over the finish line. So uh, I loved it. I loved it, but I know know there's uh, (laughs) there's other opinion. so i want to hear from you guys take it away raven ladies first
3: oh damn it i'm a lady now oh, the, the negative <laughs> your, the negative your, opinion your, first you're well the that's true enough first. that is true enough. uh this mm, this issue was both the best and the worst <laughs> on on many levels like, ugh, 14 freaking issues getting swords, and we don't have sword fights. That angers me. Well, we, we have a couple of sword fights.
2: Y'all are gonna have to work through that, because the swords... <laughs> the swords... We have seen as many swords as I think we're gonna get. I think we've got a big sword fight on the horizon. So I've got good news for you there. I think we are leading up to a very big sword fight that I am stress eating over. So we're, we're not even talking about that yet, but
5: about to celebrate that one. <laughs> Ooh, right? You're but just no, like... hateful.
3: <laughs> <sighs> so, okay. So here's my issue. If they had given us just a couple more sword fights and thrown some farcical contests in their, I would have felt like Saturnine is being strategic. And like she's, you know, trying to lure them into doing something, you know, that that could be damaging to them long term, but advantageous to her. And instead, it's just, it's so purely farcical that I can't believe they are still trying to compete when she has made it very clear that she is just here to fuck with them. Yeah.
5: And I feel like honestly, I feel like she's trying to discourage them from keep going. But as they know, with I'm sure Wolverine told them that the whole, you know, psychic revelation happened to him, that they're not going to give up and they're going to keep going no matter what happens. And the X-Men, I feel like in all their history, have done that in a lot of ways. Maybe not in this crazy other world way, but they've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in a sort of ways that they had to keep going even though they wanted to stop. So we don't get to really see it in this, but I feel like sometimes they're probably like, this is stupid. We want, this is dumb. We want to leave. I mean... We kind of get that when Wolverine is drinking with Storm in the other issue. like this is dumb. Like, <laughs> but um, but I feel like they're like, Well, we have to keep going because if we don't, we lose and then they destroy the world. So they're just like, Well, we're gonna keep going, we're gonna try to win no matter what, and we're gonna at the end, we're gonna try to kill Saturnine because that's I think that's basically everybody's goal on both sides at this point. So <laughs> well, if
2: it wasn't beforehand, it certainly will be by the end of this. Because I think yeah. everybody, <laughs> Krakowin, Araki uh you know a monthy whatever i think everybody's on the same page of being over saturnine's shit um and here's the thing here's the thing (laughs) if this competition was happening literally anywhere on anywhere else anywhere on earth anywhere on krakoa on on the blue area of the moon literally anywhere else i'd be like this is so freaking dumb you know Mm -hmm. but i accept the ridiculousness because again we're in other world so i i totally am just you know a couple of weeks ago i just like went unmoored and you know this is this is cool i'm in it and i'm i'm enjoying the ride and and i guess i'm still there with it because it does still have that kind of like dream world logic and it's you know and it's just fun i i personally not
3: mojo world right
2: well, oh, th- thank you for mm. mentioning Mojo. How mm. cool was <laughs> it that? We got a little, a little appearance from Mojo in the data pages. How that, cool was
5: that? See, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. They're like. See, we're gonna put Mojo's perspective on this because th- they know that this is kind of like Mojo's world. They knew people were gonna compare it to that, and I feel like this is like they're, they're creating another version. Oh, and mm. no, yeah,
2: and this is gonna make like twenty seasons of content for Mojo. <laughs> like he's already, oh, right? he's got, he's got uh, the dance off competition <laughs> spin off. He's probably gonna do a project way. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's amazing. So like, I, I wanna I wanna go to those two pages, actually speaking of, of runways and, uh, and dance off, I got it to say, I think that was some of the most beautiful art of the week for me. This was like the panel or whatever, the splash page. When Saturnine says the contest continue with the speed of a deadly shuffle of cards. And then in just two pages, you see nine different, you know, battles or, or competitions play out without one word. All you see is the score, so, like, if you're taking the time and looking at panel by panel, you're like, "All right, well, I guess a Rocco won this one, and this one, it looks like they're eating food. It looks like Krakoa won that one. You know, it's like it, <laughs> Krakoa's it's fear factor, Captain I,
3: Britain. Eh, it's fine. Yeah, if you seen factor. English food. Yes, like, you oh see
2: this little like. <laughs> I love that he somehow manages to look dumb while he's eating. <laughs> like, I just, I really have a little crush on him. I. I listen. I thought these two pages were so damn cool because if you took the time to like look at each panel, you it was like a it was like a like a little activity for you to like interpret it and figure out what happened and who was who was playing in this round and and what were they doing? Like, did you guys catch what the jigsaw puzzle was?
5: Yeah, yeah. um, It's the bar scene.
2: Yes, yes. Which I thought was so cool. I love like self-referential moments like uh just which
3: i really a lot loved of it them in this, which is kind of nice but i yeah. really loved
2: it then and then i so something that i thought was a little a little weird but again we're another world i'll allow it especially in the crooked market uh was our tortoise and the hare like race <laughs> between <laughs> oh god <laughs> right between Red Ugh. Root and Captain Avalon. See, uh, that's uh, the
3: correct way to do a farcical contest. That's my problem, is the pacing that has been coming through these uh, last couple of issues. They oh, went, be- We went from having a really nice, slow, you know, tension build, something that you could really, like, sink your teeth into and really get invested in, to these suddenly very quick and then somewhat drawn-out scenes that, you know, you could enjoy, and then very quick scenes. And it's like, the pacing... Does not feel correct, <laughs> no. but but that's the whole thing. If you're gonna give me contests, show me actual contests. Don't try and like just cram it in real quick. Like, oh, we've got a single picture. No, well,
2: see, I think they're no. doing a little bit of both, and I like that they're doing a little bit of both. Like, I don't need to see much more about the boulder competition. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I do. So we'd have to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, give me, give me a. You can. Give I want to see. A,
3: I want to see Wolverine get hit by a
2: bullet Listen, if you, if, if class, you. Create like a a calendar with, you know, each month has a different competition, like I'd buy it. Like I'm totally into it, but we don't need more of it. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm I'm on both
5: sides. sides. Like I I want, I I want more of it. And then I don't. Like, I feel like it's a good balance, like what they have done so far. Now, like I will say that I was against it last week. I was was totally, like, not for it. I was shocked by it. I didn't like it, the way they're doing the contest now. But then reading these next three issues, it kind of made it more solidified in place for me. Right. Because,
2: yes. Because now it's like, that's what this is about, right? Like, now that, like, we're getting more used to these topsy-turvy crazy rules that aren't really rules and you're kind of expecting to be surprised now it feels yeah. a little more comfortable i think it was a little more jarring when we found ourselves at a wedding it was like what the fuck is happening uh but like i said i mean i think it's important that now that this is what the story is because yeah. if we had just gone right back into a, a a big sword fight then it would have been like what what was the point of that so i i think it's supposed to be you know disorienting uh it's supposed to not really feel comfortable like we thought once upon a time we thought well there's 10 sword bearers on each side and it, the, the the whole thing is called 10 of swords so it's going to be a you know a race to 10 points and no no not at all you know what i mean and, and they're just again they're just like setting up expectations and then totally subverting it you know i mean and,
3: and i get that but there's a correct way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it like the wedding was great because you're like i just i mean it was only like what a page two pages long but you still like got into it and then they moved on and like if you if you draw it out a little bit more you can actually make the whiplash between the two very serious contests and the very much farcical contest more jarring cuz you have a little bit more time to digest it yeah, you know I... you, when you see just a panel you take that in kind of quickly and then you're looking at the next thing to see what the sequence does and it's like oh okay it's just okay yeah it's it's so quick i don't get time to actually build some whiplash and that's what I want if we're going to be farcical if I'm going to get whiplash between all the different contests I want that build up I want a little bit more so I'm going yeah no what the damn it
5: (laughs) yeah and see that's why I agree with you Raven I feel like we could have we definitely could have if we were if we were redoing this event let's say Mm -hmm. we were redoing it I would cut to um, Wolverine getting his sword to one issue, maybe even mm-hmm. half an issue, yeah, and just like cut the, the cut like a lot of the sword getting to like half an issue each mm-hmm. and or less, and then have the contest be more like just have yeah. it explain more, and like I we don't need everything explained more like the boulder scene no, but you know what would have been fun to see? Let me go back and the the underwater <laughs> most scene. of them, yeah, like, the underwater one, the um the maze one would have been cool, yeah, even even like the the like having, like, maybe two pages with like the dancing and modeling that'd
3: been cool. Like, <laughs> I want to see Wolverine suffer on the runway, okay? <laughs> right, like, I wanna, yeah, I, I want to see him turn full disclosure. Down heels. I could see a
2: whole issue of just that runway, right? Like, and who knows, like, you know, what, what the future may hold. Like, there might be more, you know, to get into back there. Like, I agree with you guys, that would be fun, but like, I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying the way they're serving this up, and I like. So then we, we come out of uh, the crooked market, and then we get into a spelling bee, a staring we, contest. You
3: completely <laughs> skipped over Pog Air Pog versus Magic. We did. And I, oh, did. That we, was did. That I was, loved that. I loved that. I loved that. I that felt what made me happy. Yes, oh, really? I felt Good. I
5: felt like rejuvenated by that. Because I was like, yes, a, fuck, a fucking arm contest? No, no, right. we are not doing that. First of all, you introduce this big giant monster thing, and then you put mm-hmm. magic against them, and then that's right. all we get. I was like, no. But then right. we got this, and then we find oh. out the, it's an armor, <laughs> it's a suit. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right. Yeah.
3: And she's like, you know, I noticed something, and it's like, shut up, a meeting, okay? And then she. <laughs> literally grabs the guy and yeets him out of pog suit mouth and just proceeds to whoop his ass and it's like wait wait oh hell no I'm not waiting clock <laughs>
5: yeah. I just uh, that's what yeah. I needed that's what I needed from magic that's how I right
2: she no she continues to be the the total MVP for for this whole like for all of Krakoa she. I Like, this whole event, if nothing else, has elevated magic to, like, this whole other level for me. And I just, I enjoy her so damn much. Watching, Mm -hmm. like, wherever she is, my eyes just go to her. Her running after the boulder. Her, like, her obviously showing Gorgon how to do the puzzle. Like, she definitely is the one that's, you know what I mean? Like, you know when you do a jigsaw with somebody? Like, there's somebody who's, like, really doing the work. And somebody else who's having, like... Happy accidents and <laughs> just yeah. kind of Whoa. dead weight. You can tell she's the one that's like doing it, you know. Yeah, he's, magic
5: he's... was already magic was already there for me. I loved her so good. But yeah. I'm just I'm glad that she's finally getting more attention because sometimes she's just used just for like a vehicle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm glad absolutely. they're using her more than that. I hope after X of Swords we see her actually doing magic. Because in other Marvel books we see her doing magic. But in the X Men books, we don't really see her doing magic. I'm like, what why? Oh, I would love that. I would love I would love like to it's see her that. Name. Yeah, it's in, it's no, her no, no, name.
2: no totally, <laughs> totally, and and it's a cool way of showing. That. So one thing I really love about magic is that there's all these different sides to her. You mm-hmm. know, she's a leader, she's a warrior, she's a little borderline evil. You know, she's she she's she's got evil. well, okay, no, she's like a hairsbreadth. She breath. has an she evil she's, side. Right.
5: No, yeah, no, she's... she
3: has a human side.
5: Well yeah, but I'm like her other side is a demon, which is once is like Yeah, evil. human. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, potato Potato, Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh yeah, shout out
2: shout out, shout out to Red oh Root. Shout out to Red Root who chibied. Poor little Red Root now looks like baby Groot. Oh
5: my God. But I but I've never won anything before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like well, bitch, you, you still kind of have You Still didn't win. made me so sad
2: and happy. And uh, sad. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. She I, ha- I have a lot of genuinely happy. Yeah, for I like really two care for seconds. her. I I hope Red Root survives and comes and lives on Krakoa.
3: And and that's my whole thing. That's what I wanted. I wanted slightly longer contests so I could actually get to know some of the characters that we have not actually had books on or really big introductions to. Mm. Red Root was a great character to expand upon. And it's like, yay. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) Like there were so many layers in, in those panels, in those couple of pages. But they actually made me understand and give a little bit more of a damn about Red Root other than, oh yeah, Red Root looks like really badass and so does the sword. And it's like, oh, Red Root is trying super, super effing hard. Like Red Root is, you know, trying not to let her team down. And you also find out she's a massive klutz. She <laughs> she can't steer for shit. I mean, she's a tree, so that explains right, it.
2: You got branches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you
4: it's like you're <laughs> going hit shit
3: <laughs> she broke some really expensive shit and it's like but yeah like she gets handed that victory and you can see like for two i've never won anything yay And it's like oh uh, no now you're a pokemon
2: Fuck. <laughs> it was so cute I, and it, like again i love that we give a damn about <sighs> about the iraqi Like, Mm -hmm. and that to me, and that this is why I'm sticking with this event and this is why I'm enjoying it so much because yeah, we want more and we want to see more of these characters, but that's, why is that? Because they've done such a good job of one, the design of the characters and two, giving Mm -hmm. all of them, each of them have their own little vibe, their personalities, like you're getting a sense for them, even if they're, you know, if you could have a whole book about them, you would, but what you're getting is, is more distinct than goon number one, two, and three, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, and their big bruiser and their, you know, person with the sharp claws. Like it's it's more nuanced than that and, and I just think it's awesome.
3: I, I mean we I, kind of have a big that's book. That's why I wanted them. to slow the pacing. We had
5: a big book about them, but it wasn't about each one. It was just like kind of right. like a right. slideshow. But we got like a right. little information. Yeah, you got like a the
2: taste. More. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. The one of the things that's a that was my like two of my favorite things about this book besides the storm thing which we'll get to later mm. yes. <laughs>
4: yes we have mm. to get to
5: which it was on the same page was magic not being able to spell magic because yes. <laughs> she, she's okay so it make it makes perfect logical canon sense because she's never had a formal education she, right. grew, up in, she grew up in limbo that makes it, sense. right
2: english is her second language I mean, you know, English
5: is a second language. You know that tracks. And then my second thing was my favorite. This was my favorite. I think my favorite panel of Wolverine this whole this whole event, even though he doesn't talk, is him Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. mirror with um, White Sword and him crying, like to show that he still has empathy, show that he's still human (sighs) because he still feels the pain that he caused to kill the people that he killed. Like that is my favorite thing of of Logan so far this event. You
2: know. You know what I loved about that? I love Mm -hmm. that they don't... All you see is the tear... But mm-hmm. you know, if you've read enough Wolverine, if you've read enough X Men for, you know, the last thirty years or whatever, you can kind of fill in those blanks yourself. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. almost like you're doing what Logan's doing in that moment, and you just imagine him like stabbing Gene Gray, yeah. stabbing Nightcrawler, stabbing, you know, Professor X, like literally everybody. Oh, killing know? his
3: son. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Killing yes. his
3: wife. Yep. Yeah. His <laughs> daughter, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, he he has it's not just that he has empathy it's that he's actually had to kill people that he likes yeah, yeah. kill people that he loves kill exactly. people that he has deep attachment to whereas white sword literally just you know kills until all of his troops are depleted and then resurrects them the next day well yeah. and and, and speaking
2: of resurrection with you know with the crocoan resurrections or whatever it does feel like characters you know that are resurrected are are rebooted and and you know they're the best version of themselves and they're kind of like a Mm -hmm. clean clean slate or whatever but (laughs) this is a good reminder that wolverine remembers all of his bs Mm -hmm. yeah i mean despite having so much of his his storyline was about his memories being taken away and and all of that complexity that comes with wolverine uh, it's a magic but, but yeah we're it's a magic mirror yes and at this point <laughs> well, it's I, I like, don't
3: think a magic mirror gives a damn if your memory is not so good It said that it was going to show you everybody you've ever killed. So honestly, if he had forgotten about somebody, it might have felt like it was happening all over again. And for once, he could actually remember. And it's all getting stacked on top of itself. There is no memory gap.
5: He was like, damn, I killed
3: that person. Oh, yeah, I remember. (laughs) Like, oh, Uh, God, how many times did I stab them? Oh, God, how many times did I have to kill them? So, oh. so
2: here, here's a contest that I thought we got exactly as much as we needed. Was yes. the, the kitten killing contest? Oh <laughs> was so great. Yeah. That was okay. the that was comedic
3: like of that. that. One.
2: Oh, it was so good! It was yeah, so did, good. We it didn't need more of that.
4: It, <laughs> did right? it
2: did not work out for you the kitten, wouldn't. but oh, yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Segue towards uh,
3: <laughs>
5: Raven's gone. Raven's checked out, y'all.
3: I'm, like, that's the kind of pacing that I wanted. And as far as a farcical contest goes, that was that was bloody hilarious. I, I mean, just go- needed those two. Gorgon,
5: Gorgon fucking boulders are pretty awesome too. That's I mean, to yes!
3: let's I think he's about yes. to fuck those rocks. <laughs> I was yeah. like, ooh, I hope those aren't lava rocks. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh god.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I'm really worried about Gorgon. I know we're not in that book yet, but uh yeah, oh, Gorgon's man. Gorgon's been a standout. Oh. I love the kitten killing thing. I thought it was awesome.
3: <clears throat> and and that's what I needed. I needed that kind of pacing. I need like two or three beats to ingest and digest what's going on. And you can have levity in, in a very serious book like this and make it fun and wonderful. And that's exactly what they did there. I'm like, thank you. That's what I needed. And I I, I swear to God, I laughed so it's, hard. It
2: sounds I, like you're warming up to the book a little bit.
3: No, shut up. <laughs> she's, talking, a, she's talking just herself into it. it. It's, it's,
2: you know, it's, it gets better. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, and then that reveals probably like the big standout moment uh, of this whole issue, which I know. So uh Rod, you just mentioned you were very excited to talk about. So I'll let you get in.
4: (laughs)
5: storm. go for it. Well, for first we go like to um the blight's will or whatever. Mm -hmm. I guess that's how you say that. Mm -hmm. About how you know the blight spoke, you know, poisoned Logan and Storm and basically is like killing her. So we're like, oh okay, that's what Death is doing. He's cheating, so he can win. That's cool. Which I, I expected. I mean, you expect it. You expect it. Yeah. But I just love how, first of all, they make all this whole scene so beautiful. They color Storm right. They make her mm. hair good. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you,
3: Jesus. Thank you, and
5: Jesus. we fight, like, Raven, we finally get a sword fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and it was uh, Good one, and, and I'm so glad we got Storm because Storm. Look what Storm had to do to get this sword. She had Seriously, to, he had to put her relationship with Wakanda and T'Challa <sighs> at risk. So I'm like, she better fight with this sword, and she did. Yeah, she destroyed one of my favorite swords. That was Death Sword, which was oh. me, but it's fine. One
3: and- of all the swords, but of all the swords that could have done that, of, of all the swords that could have shattered something as powerful as the Black Bone, it was Skybreaker. Sword. It yeah, was sword of life,
5: basically, yeah. a sword of life. So I I loved it. I'm glad that I'm even glad they took her power away because that showed how more of a badass Aurora Monroe truly is. She did not
3: need mutant powers to rock his shit. Which is part of that is part of
2: Storm. That is who Storm is, is, right? Like going back to callisto going back to her powerless fighting cyclops for leadership i mean that is who storm is at her core is you strip away her goddess shit and you still have your hands full because she is a badass and she will not hesitate storm is storm is merciful storm is loving storm is a compassionate person but, like, when one, one push comes to shove, if it, if it says life or death, oh, she's going to win. She's going to get and, that and, shit and, Yeah. yeah, That's, yeah. That, is,
3: that is why she is the ultimate X-Men leader. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. She's yeah, always yeah. been Me, my definitely. favorite because she is, like, hmm, okay, I don't like Cyclops. This has never, ever, ever been a secret <laughs> how much I despise Cyclops. But the reason I don't like him is because he keeps having to refer back to Professor X mm-hmm, to make mm-hmm. all of his decisions. Whereas Or Munro, gold team leader of the X-Men, she can make her decisions on her own. She will take other people's uh, uh, advice, words into consideration, good advice into consideration. Um, but at the end of the day, she will make the decision that she needs to make in order to have the best outcome for the big picture. And I love how how she thinks and acts like a freaking leader, not like a superhero.
5: Yes, exactly. And that's why I mean, I used to, I was with you right there, Raven. I used to like hate Cyclops. I've started to like him a little bit more because of Hawkespox and everything. I feel like they're doing mm. him, they're making him better. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I always gave Cyclops more than Storm. The one thing. There's one thing. Um, <laughs> is that he is a better strategist. And that's one of the reasons why yeah. I would say... Well, in, in retrospect, in retrospect. Um, <laughs> be, I know, we have to give him something. But that's one uh-huh. of the reasons why I get, I made him and Storm the top two, because there's always been a debate who's better. But that's the only... Storm, because yeah. she's
3: whooped wholesale ass without oh, her well, powers. I mean,
5: to, in my opinion, Storm's way better. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's one of the reasons why I just... I loved this storyline so yes. much because it even it shows Storm even become more strategy on on like yeah. on point like um I'm trying like um more Radically? I think she
3: faked how bad the poison was, maybe, but she was but she was still very much without her powers, oh, yeah, and she you was, got to see the hubris it. of death
2: well, and that was that was also like a classic thing, right? That was very Perseus versus Medusa. you show Medusa the reflection of her face, and that's how you beat her like it was very that.
5: Yeah, Yeah. it was that. It definitely was. It was basically like Goliath versus whatever the other person's name is. David. David. Yeah. See? I don't know. Jesus.
4: Yeah. I
5: don't I don't know white men's names. Sorry. So God. Like I'm supposed to remember that.
2: (laughs) Stop colonizing my damn brain. Stop
4: colonizing my brain. I, I just, I um, this was
5: this was my favorite part of the book. I feel like this yes. is what really brought the book together, the,
4: especially the, the
2: art. Of the, book. the art, oh my god! Oh, and who and was
4: the and, artist, and, again? the uh, Josh Casaras. Oh, oh, he's one of uh, our
2: one of our storm storm breakers, storm bringers. Just oh my god, just mm-hmm. f- category five hurricane storm. He is wow. like he is so damn good and the colors by uh by guru (gasps) effects really just bring it all together those like that like blood red and like oh just absolutely beautiful beautiful incredible art and uh and yeah josh i mean josh kasara just like continues to kill it you know he is just on another on another level
3: it felt beautifully visceral wonderfully paced the the artwork was just breathtaking and you really felt like you were in that moment you were in that arena you were staring down hordes of undead yes
6: See, and,
5: this is what uh, I needed in this competition. Yes. I'm I'm happy. See, this this is where I'm happy now because I got one really good sword fight with one of my favorite characters, and I'm like, that's fine. I, d- I don't need any more. I'm fine. That's fine.
2: But we and we <laughs> wait, we also we also had uh Wolverine and Solemn. That was a good sword fight. That you was mean, a Wolverine that was and Summoner? A summoner, yes. Sorry, sorry, yes, summoner. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, was like, that, was that was good. That was good. That, that was, was super trippy. That <laughs> was yeah, that was incredible. That was
5: good
3: too. Again, wonderfully paced and and well thought out especially for the environment that they were in which was mm-hmm. um the decaying parts of blightspoke where reality goes to die like yeah. it felt like you were in that environment and you felt like you were in this environment and it was so freaking well done not just oh, the yeah. characters but what happened how it was set up just at oh man the hubris of death of oh look we're here at the arena oh you're not feeling well well that's too bad we're just gonna have to dance anyways it's going to begin and it's well, like oh shit we've <laughs> like, I made this, a mistake we, and <laughs> we've <laughs>
2: and again we've had all of this like misdirection with them like this mm-hmm. flirtation and her putting the flower in his hair and like there it's it's been a nice little build up and
4: but
3: the flirtation and, has and always been one sided
2: it's been one sided but and i loved it but yeah you can you know storm is storm is nobody's fool you know what i mean yeah. storm's here for a competition and she can she can laugh and flirt and have a good time but she's never one to like well, lose I, I, sight of what, she's what not is flirting going on
3: with death that's the great thing she has never flirted with death she's been polite to him she has she she's given him she's given she <laughs> <dipped him. laughs> yeah. so
2: that's kind of yeah. flirty <laughs>
3: no that's not flirty that's the guess what i'm still leading yes because yeah. how often does death get dipped
5: well see that's what i love about this like storm is always dancing with death and always beats death and it's this is another instance mm-hmm. where she's literally dancing with the embodiment of death, and is like, "I'm still not death's bitch, bitch." Yeah. Did um, you see
3: the, the the flower that she put in his hair, or in his in his ear? It it had nothing to do with death symbolism. Usually, if you're if you um, if you put a flower in somebody's hair, there there tends to actually be meaning to the types of flowers and whatnot. But roses, lotuses, like especially Nile lotuses. And lilies are like death flowers. Those are all flowers that we tend to give at death at funerals. They were used in ancient times for those reasons as well. But she takes the most lovely living flower and just slips it right behind his ear. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. she's still giving him a fuck you. I'm not playing with you. I'm not going to join your side or, or come willingly to you. I was like, I love it. She's so artful and so diplomatic about it. And he can't do shit.
2: And I think it's nice that because this has all been so trippy and, you know, I mean, some of them just kind of end and, okay, yay, we won. Mm -hmm. It's nice that this battle was a nice big buildup. We've seen, you know, it's been teased throughout in the artwork and everything. And they have this big show-stopping, no powers fight to the death and we're very clear on she won and I think he is dead right like yep. taking another player off the board and in this competition where nothing has been clear or certain it's nice to have like that is clear you know yeah.
5: and I like how she ends it I like how she ends it she's like well he's bleeding isn't he right because it was because <laughs> the, the
2: that's the other thing is she didn't have to kill him it was a, it was a fight to see who draws first blood and guess what she did? Oh, <laughs> First man. and last, yeah. 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 She's like, yeah. like she he, he's just, bleeding, she isn't he? Him, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: She could have nicked him. She could have, like, even stabbed him just, just once—a good one, good stab. No, she cut him open, yeah, she from crotch him. to throat, entrails spilling out. Like, oh yeah, she was not fucking around.
2: And look, I mean, Storm obviously doesn't need her powers to kick your ass. Mm -hmm. But there is something about taking Storm's powers from her that I think is a violation that uh, on a level that other mutants may not feel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because Storm's whole thing is like she is one with the, you know what I mean? Even if she's not using her powers, she is still... A, a connected piece of her. right with the exactly yeah. and and yeah it, it's it's something a little more sacred and personal when we're talking about Aurora's ability to control the weather versus like you know Colossus turning into steel right mm-hmm. it's it's just a different thing And uh, and I think that is why she didn't stop at nicking him, because if you're like now I see your true face, you know, no pun intended, but and 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 you're you're you tried, you know, uh, cheating and you were going to kill me. Nope. Guess who's going to do it first fool?
4: Mm.
5: Yeah, I mean, like he, he like she had respect for him in a way until he cheated. Like, it's just, like, that's why I feel like a lot of them, they, the X-Men or mutants in general had respect for the other side until they started Mm -hmm. cheating their way to
3: victory. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even just that he's cheating. He violated her. Her whole body. Yeah, her entire body. It's not just, oh, I took away your powers. It's the, I cut you off from the universe that you are constantly in contact. Yeah. you know she's like where are the winds i c- you took my like you could tell she was pissed you took my powers normally the winds that i can feel around me i can't feel anything she couldn't feel the universe the wind the weather the planet she couldn't feel anything he made well, I- her powerless
5: exactly and i feel like so
3: many levels Ugh. and
5: with storm's power she has to keep her emotions in check
3: Mm -hmm. always
5: like if she doesn't that's why when like Wolverine died when they were together she had to be off planet because she just she let go and she was going to cause you know a planet destroying like catastrophe so Mm -hmm. with her losing her powers this is a fight where she could really like just scream at him and let go and just go feel full fury and she really did Mm -hmm. she's like if I'm going to be able to let go then I'm going to let go yeah and I love that that was fantastic
2: I just love her it's it's, it's this was such a good storm moment like yeah. we were we were fed well this week and
4: yeah.
2: yeah and look i hey pacing pacing may be an issue right your mileage may vary i get it but it could always God be damn. pacing
5: in any event can always be better like that's what i've learned well sometimes well,
3: it should be obvious
5: though
2: well yeah. and there's there's i think there's also a difference when so like It's only since Dawn of X and House of X that I've gotten back into, you know, buying comics on a weekly Mm -hmm. basis and consuming it like this, right? Mm -hmm. But for years, for years that I kind of like fell out of buying single issues, what I would do is just get trades, Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that there, there's a difference in when you're consuming a story. Like, I think this as a collected edition is going to be so delightful because it's like, you're going to just be able to, to go through this whole trippy thing or whatever, but it'll be, you know, in one cohesive thing. I think, yeah, I think this being stretched out over a couple of weeks and, you know, months or whatever, uh, you know, makes it maybe a little trickier for some people. I don't know. I, I, I think it is it is a really, really fun story. And uh, and I think we're just living through some really good X history right now.
3: But, but I, you I mean, see, we, agree. We, show, we showed, though, that you can use half a page and get... message across really well to the point where it is it moves your emotions deeply, like uh with White Sword and Wolverine looking at the Mm. mirror. It would not cost you many more pages to do a half page treatment for most of those contests. And that's my whole thing. You're not wrong.
2: (laughs) So so wait, so were you say would you would you have liked then because I mean we definitely did not need 20 contests but that's what we're ending no. up with right we're yeah. actually we're ending up with and this is very helpful yeah. little list at the end of cable uh there's 25 competitions mm-hmm. right because some of them the, both t- sides have gotten a point and you know like the, it's so yeah maybe if there had been 10 competitions then we could have gotten into you know longer spreads and and it being a little more thought out i think this approach was more unexpected and just more fun it was something it's something that we couldn't have done literally anywhere else but in other world i think it's been kind of kind of a blast <sighs>
5: oh yeah so i mean i mean like with i feel like with any the only the re the most recent event that i've never that i haven't had a trouble and i I mean recent which is like a couple of years mm-hmm. the event that i've never had um pacing with was secret wars 2 mm-hmm. one in 2015 that pacing for that event i loved i thought it was spectacular i thought it was right on point but every like other event that i've read except for maybe like inferno i feel like the pacing has always been a little off either it's too slow or it's too fast and i feel like mm-hmm. it's always hard with writers to, because it's such a long story spread out in issues mm-hmm. to get the pacing correctly because of that. You know, it's it's you have these great grand ideas, you want all this information mm-hmm. in it, but you can only put so much with so little, and it just kind of, some things get lost I feel like, you know.
3: They could have removed the splash pages where they talk about... Um,
2: Over my dead body, the splash oh. pages.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The one- that have just the <laughs> quotes on them. I think you could have moved those quotes onto um, um, a panelled page and just started that at the very, very top, at the very beginning, like just to set mood and pace, and used those pages that they basically had a shit ton of blank space. Uh, you know, like just white space. You could have done that as actual contest pieces instead. Mm-hmm. That would have given you two, two or three more pages right there and that would have easily been you know what six more contests at least that you could have given like a half page treatment
2: listen jordan white if you're out <laughs> there and listening uh we are available for consultation we Absolutely. can we'll we'll help you get the next uh, the next crossover just humming like a like a (laughs) fine-tuned machine baby
5: the one thing i do like about events that don't tell everything is that (laughs) in future issues it gives other writers to go like back in time and tell little stories from the events that weren't told before like oh Mm. i'm gonna reference back to this part of the event that didn't get shown and i'm gonna like you know play with it and i feel like Mm. that's what that's they're giving opportunities to that for other writers if they ever want to reference back texts of sorts
2: Mm. you know what you know i was thinking about um you remember Avengers versus X-Men, right? That whole, with the yeah. Phoenix okay. Five and that whole crossover. Mm-hmm. There was like, there was a, another line of comics that were coming out parallel to that. And I think they were called AVX or, or and basically they were like the filler between the big issues. Mm, I
5: remember mm-hmm. those.
2: That, right. And it was just like. And in this one, you're gonna have, you know, juggernaut versus or or whatever, uh, the thing mm-hmm. versus Colossus, let's say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was just literally like 20 pages of them smashing shit up. And it was oh, just yeah. it was a I 20, know. it was a 20 page fight.
5: I have that trade. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
2: like and to me, it's like, okay, that's fun. And yeah, certainly if you can get people to to draw it, there are certainly people out there that are gonna buy it uh but it's not moving the story forward and i i I like what we have versus that like i i didn't need to see you know 10 drawn out battles i i think this is this is just a blast no, but, no, but I, that 18 I times a page,
3: <laughs> like a half page treatment is also not too much to ask yeah when no, you're I supposed agree. to be feeling totally so many agree. things yeah, yeah half totally page
5: agree. i half page i agree with not the whole trade because people are yeah, complaining no, no. that too many books are out so mm-hmm. but that but the definitely the half page thing if we cut out one of wolverine's sword getting issues we could have got more mm-hmm. half pages i feel but yeah. you know that's not that's you know
3: and the yeah, half page yeah. is so effective. <laughs> the half page is so effective at pulling your emotions in the directions you need. When she spells mm. magic, you're laughing. And in the next panel, when you see Wolverine, just, you know, like you, you can feel all of his pain in that half. And you're like, yeah, ha ha. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Wolvie. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, that's all I need. Cause it, it helps to actually whiplash those emotions back and forth. So in the end, you're just like, I don't know what to feel. There was a, kid kitten it almost died i died laughing oh. about that <laughs> <laughs> and at the same point times like you know something something dramatic or or you know you know altering happened it's like i just need that half page, that Is half it, page
2: i agree that i agree I that need. the more we get into into the rest of the story the the less i like that we spent two issues going to hell with wolverine for a sword like right? that that whole story could have happened with him just going to japan like he didn't have to go to the underworld <laughs> yes, and 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 it could have been done in one issue and like and we all would have been just fine Happy. with it so i, I go agree with
3: go you to the go to the underworld in japan just like go, go, go to japan Look at that. Look at that. go into a <laughs> temple oh my goodness hey there's a portal to hell fight your way through come out at the end of the issue with the sword like literally boom you could have done that yeah
2: Jordan white uh, call us
3: yeah.
5: <laughs> is it bad that i felt more about the kitty dying than when betsy died <laughs>
3: right right Same. i felt so bad and yet i also laughed for Same. that exact reason <laughs> i'm <was Same>. like <laughs> i didn't Same. give a damn about betty but this be- betsy's <laughs> going to be fucking betty, whatever her damn
2: name is <laughs> she she lost that bet the s she's
3: going to night school (laughs) Uh,
5: yeah i'm sorry i just just
3: had to say that no no i'm not worried
2: about her she'll she'll be all right but yeah that is
3: exactly what i'm talking about though like that that you had emotions there were definite emotions there whether it was pure comedy (laughs) I'm sorry, it's, it's, I have Brian's voice in my head, and you wouldn't, and the look of glee on War's face, just, yes, I fucking would.
2: That was such, that was so good, (laughs) such good comedic timing, and, like, Uh, that it just ended like that, in that, like, abrupt, like,
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Maddie,
0: And I'm Nico. And this is still X's for Podcast. And, you know, we were just talking about Hellions in this next section. And I think the main takeaway I found myself with from Hellions has been, I don't know how these characters belong together. And then for the outcome of that to be i don't know how these issues belong in this arc it's kind of interesting maddie in this next clip you actually have a lot of opinions about how hellions is kind of nebulously hanging on
1: yeah you know it seems like hellions has fallen into that fallen angels spot for me where it's sort of definitely not my favorite and definitely one that i read more for work than for pleasure but I feel, I feel very strongly that this entire Hellions chapter in
0: Ten of Swords, X of Swords, lifts right out. Well, that sentiment was echoed by myself, Jonah, and Josh in this next segment, where the four of us talk about Hellions number six and the wild ride it's taken the X-Men on in terms of trying to figure out a way around this bizarre convocation of swords which ultimately didn't really seem to involve that many swords i you know it's really funny because i've been pulling for gorgon from the beginning and everyone's been like he's okay and i'm like but 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 he's from secret warriors so he's amazing
7: he should have gotten <laughs> everyone... a point for fucking the rock
0: yeah 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 also um i mean this affectionately why didn't he turn white sword to stone that's literally when one of his amazing... they took
7: his eyes out can he still do that i thought because the one guy put his thumbs in his eyes and ripped his eyes out.
8: He turned one of White Soldier's zombies into stone and then uh, it immediately broke out because I'm assuming White Sword healed him.
0: But if White Sword was in the stone, he wouldn't be able to heal him. Anyway, fine, 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 fine.
7: Yeah, I don't know. Fine,
0: I don't know. It just, it made no sense. It was actually underplaying a really powerful character in a weird way.
7: I mean, we needed, we needed Apocalypse. It was a teachable moment for Apocalypse to show the children that that's how a mutant dies.
0: Yeah, and it made a really intense, um, like, a really intense, like, boop note. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, even Gorgon, who said he was never going to fall, this whole battle just fell. He went down okay. like a G, though. Uh, oh, he really did. He went down like a G for capital Gorgon. All right, so we want to just jump in and see what happens? Hey, everybody, and welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm Nico, and you can find me at NicoAction, N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N.
7: I'm Josh Will. You can find me at Asleep at the Wheel W-E-I-L, on Twitter, and at AsleepAtTheWheel.com.
1: Hey guys, it's Maddie, and you can find me as always on Instagram at, at the Man.
8: And I'm Jonah, you can follow me over online at PeakJonah, and we hope you survive this experience, unlike most of the Hellions, because they're not important. We got the three people who actually matter in the Hellions team.
0: This was... Like actually, we'd made a couple of comments a couple of weeks ago that we were afraid that the Hellions two-parter didn't make a lot of sense in terms of X of Swords as a larger narrative. You're but right. rather, yeah, it it really is just like a it's it. This just comes right the fuck out. This really, if like, I'm gonna go back to an old crossover that I think uh, Josh might be the only one with me on this, but there was a really interesting crossover a number of years ago called Second Coming, mm-hmm. and in the pages of Second Coming, they wanted to express a lot of things that didn't fit the narrative, so they did these side things like the um, Hellbound and uh, Second Coming Big Science and like like little mini tie-ins. I think there might have been a mistake directly
7: tying this in. I have that. In my notes I have a, I wrote it right here this issue did not need to be a numbered part of the 22 issues and was really much more of a tie-in like yeah it reminded me of the Infinity crossover issues like you had the really close tie-ins of Hickman's Infinity I think the best one was Avengers Assemble by Kelly Sue DeConnick which took place within the pages of the Infinity issue showing what other characters were doing and like explicitly tied in. And then you just had other ones. Um Charles Soul's Thunderbirds. Um th- Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts, I'm sorry. Charles Soul's Thunderbirds
0: <laughs> are terrifying marionettes. Yes. Thunderbolts are a team that should never have anything to do with Thunderbolt Ross, but eventually they realized you can't have that many Thunderbolts running around.
7: Yes. Charles Soul's Thunderbolts. <laughs> And it was just like, hey, look, there's, you know, alien invasions, Thanos' hordes are invading New York and stuff, and here's a team that's in New York, so they're going to be fighting all this shit right now. You know, Black Bolt blew up the cloud, and there's Inhumans appearing in New York, and like, this shit's just happening, like, their lives got interrupted by Infinity. And that's really what, to me, like, this was, like, the Hellions' lives got interrupted by X of Swords, but this is not part of X of Swords. Now, you know, Maddie, this is your first live event where something does feel like it could be
0: pulled out. You know, one of the things you praised about Hoxpox Pox back in the day was that it was so tight and it was so about what it was about. There wasn't really a lot of room for outside narrative. How do you feel about this weird distraction in a very... uh Like, I guess the strangest part for me, and then I guess what I'm really curious about you is I know you like a bit more progressive and uh, I guess like you don't mind when stuff gets real bloody if it has a point. This book is labeled Parental Advisory. What the fuck is it doing here? You know, especially knowing that it was labeled
1: Parental Advisory, that really steps up the tone now for all of Ten of Swords, which is uh strange because none of the competition has been ultimately that gory itself i don't know if we're we already discussed gorgon getting his eyes gouged out that's about as dark as uh ten of swords has gotten up to this point save for hellions but you know i would definitely have to agree i think hellions lifts right out and i think the tone for that was set for me in dawn of X. like nico you just said Hux Pox had very little fat to trim. So it wasn't really until Fallen Angels that I I saw a book come right out of House of Powers that I was like, all right, this lips a little bit out for me. And the natural transition between Fallen Angels and Hellions for that role seems about to par. I'm just excited that the new books that are coming out, uh, Wolverine's involvement, Cable's involvement, those seem to all be at the main heart of the story still, so.
0: And Jonah, I know that Sinister is one of your favorites because, you know, how can he not be? And I know you very much enjoy watching Alex get sexually tortured. So how does that all fit in for you? Like, where do you sit with Hellion in the Ten of Swords? Would you have rather seen it take a sabbatical like X-Factor? Or do you feel that these were necessary to create a parallel narrative?
8: I think this should have taken its sabbatical and maybe not even have come back and that might be a harsh thing to say and I don't want to discredit anybody in the art team whether they're the writer or the artist but for this entire crossover where the stakes are huge this was a really sudden shift in narrative that didn't make sense to me like I under like I can barely understand the logistics of the original mission that the Hellions were sent on of to go steal all these swords because that was never going to work I like I don't need to be Destiny to see that that's not going to work in the future.
0: That was pretty hot. I like that.
8: But to then have this be a narrative about Sinister and Sinister doing sinister things, it really just, I don't think it was needed. I think the stories of what you're trying to tell with the Ten of Swords in the, you know, the tournament setting are much more interesting or important to those characters than anything that was told here i really don't think this contributed anything necessary or vital at all to the understanding of what the entire narrative of ten of swords was trying to tell us this just really fell short for me because it just i i'm not sure why this was included but something like x factor had to take a back a complete backseat.
7: i agree and disagree with that because i think that this should have been included well okay i think that this should have been coming out as it came out i think that the release timing for this was perfect um i just don't think it should have been numbered in as part of the story like this should have been a separate tie-in and I really wish that we had gotten other separate tie-ins. I wish that we had seen something like the main X-Men line book, or X Factor, or even if we had had another title starting up at this time to show us life on Krakoa, to show us, you know, what those left behind are going through during this. Because this story was big enough, and the X Universe is so freaking big that we can have tie-ins and we can have story going on outside of this major event. I really liked this story, and I think it has to be told during. You know, when we look back to Hoxpox and we look back to what we know Sinister is going to try to do and that Sinister cannot be trusted long-term because he's going to make some crazy fucking chimeras and he's going to eventually betray them because he's Sinister. I mean, it's literally his job. Yes. I think getting this story where... You know, we get the fun of watching him get out-politicked in five, only to discover in six that he set himself up to be out-politicked. So that way he can get some nasty, crazy, Iraqi mutant DNA so he can make more fucked up genetic clones and hybrids that are only going to fuck things up further in the future. Was fantastic, like, and had to be told during this story. Like, it's not something you could go back and tell after X of Swords was done. It just didn't need to be like chapter 18 of 22. And like, okay, so I'm going to
0: bring up a thing. And this is that thing of where like I worked in a shop and like there's times where I'm really, there's times where Evelyn and I can't be on an episode together because what the two of us wind up doing is screaming about shop politics. So that's, that's happened on more than one occasion, but I bring this up. Because in the course of having worked at the shop I worked at when I worked there, something that I noticed a lot was ARCs had standardly been about six issues at that point because, you know, it was everything was writing to trade. And whether you are a fan of writing the trade or not, kind of doesn't matter because that's what the industry does. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, there was a lot of accusations of padding ARCs back in the day. So I think the most egregious example of it is the Rise and Fall of the Shiar Empire by Ed Brubaker. (laughs) That thing is whole issues exist just to give you another issue to tide the ending over because that was in the era of Marvel was trying to do major events on certain titles to time them out. They did a huge amount of work on Uncanny, and then when Uncanny finished its big arc, it went into smaller arcs so that Mike Carey's Legacy could go into bigger arcs. And like that's something Marvel knows how to do. They know how to balance a. Six was the standard for an arc forever, got a little inflated in the kind of like modern heyday of Marvel around Civil War, Secret Invasion, and we saw it go back down to six, especially for the beginning of this era. But the second wave of titles, Cable had four issues before X of Swords. X Factor had like three or four issues before X of Swords.
7: four
0: Four issues before X of Swords. It's as if, because of maybe the data pages extrapolating so much on the content, making these heavier reads in a lot of ways, it's as if they took a lesson from, as Maddie suggested, the sort of misfire of Fallen Angels. The biggest problem with Fallen Angels was all of the crap they stuck in in the middle. If you had just given me issues one, two, five, and six, I'd have actually really liked the book. And just because I I loved all the cameos at the end, just seeing Paige show up was like, hey, girl, I love you. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think this included in the 22 is more about packaging a hardcover than it has anything to do with the narrative flow of the story. I really believe this is more about a monetary repackaging down the line and the fact that something with a crossover banner sells a little higher I think that really is the motivation here.
7: Oh, no, it's, it's definitely crossover banner sales. Like a, As I looked at it and think about it, it, 22 issues is so much that if you tell someone that 20 of them are pure in count and two don't, you know exactly which two people are going to drop for budget reasons. I get that. I just hate that that's part of story design.
1: You know, I feel like what Hellions did for me this week was it did scratch the itch for a little bit of violence and a little bit of gore that I was... Not expecting from the proper narrative of Ten of Swords, but a little bit expecting. You know, I was expecting a tournament of arms, and we're getting weddings and uh, arm wrestlings, and it's it's all over the place. So this this did scratch the itch for me for something a little bit more dark and sinister. But even so, the action was saved to the end, and this this very easily could have been another piece. Instead of Hellions, it could have been, you know, I don't see why X Factor to, to mirror something that Jonah was saying. I don't see why X Factor had to go on hiatus.
0: Something that I learned early on in our relationship was if I tried to get Jonah to watch something, it kind of depended on how many episodes I was asking him to sign up for. One day I was like, hey, babe, do you want to watch Project Runway? And he was like, I don't know. Yes, but how many seasons are there? And I'm like, there's just 16 at the time, plus." Uh, five All-Stars, three kids, two specials, Tim Gunn's Guide to Style, uh, Under the Gun, the Tim Gunn children's competition show, four All-Star specials. Oh, plus uh, Canada, because one of the Canadian contestants comes over. And like he was like, you have to stop, because now I don't want to. But then we watched season two, and who can resist Nick Veros? You know, 22 was the standard for a TV season for a really long time. A really, really, really fucking long time. And Jonah, you used to say to me, like, one of the things that held you back on X Men was, where the fuck do you read? But I, you know, I was like, I'll make you a read list. And you were like, thank you. And then I was like, it's just Hox Pox, one through six intermingled. And you were like, I can do that. Thank you. Seemed for the first few months like it was going to go one 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 two, two 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 two, And then it turned out not to remotely be the case, especially with Fallen Angels, which now retroactively takes place between X Men one and two. Couldn't tell you. So, you know, that's like. This is, we were also talking about Veronica Mars, a show that was 22 episodes long where they had to pad, where they had to add mini side quests to wonder about. Anybody here who's seen Veronica Mars season one should remember there's three major reveals that have to happen in that finale for all of her mysteries to be solved. And that's kind of what it feels like here. But instead of creating a genuine mystery that draws me in, I kind of feel like they're kind of like throwing mystery
7: slop at my face and they're saying, why aren't you happy? I think that's a great analogy because the 22 season television, and it just so happens that this is exactly that number. The 22 season television series is something that over the last decade, I think everyone kind of came to the consensus of this works for procedural storytelling, not serial storytelling. Like if you're going to tell a bunch of like, bottle episodes yeah there's no amount 22 is a good amount you know you can run a cycle keep the actors employed all year they have a small off season to do one project and they come back and you get a lot of episodes to keep familiar for familiar audiences but it's too long for a tight serialized story like it's it's just too long and veronica mars in particular like couldn't do it after a second attempt Like they broke, they broke season three into three mini seasons into, you know, what would be like three Netflix seasons now, because it just was too, it was too much of a strain on storytelling to break it up over that many parts.
0: I get that not everybody's the Desperate Housewives fan that I am, right? And I I really do maintain that Desperate Housewives is some of the best satire in like the history of the television medium, right? And They also abandoned their full season-long mystery after a while. They just couldn't do it. Desperate Housewives was also sometimes receiving extra episode orders because it was so successful. They were getting 26 episodes a season. Mm -hmm. And that's insane for a show about a singular central mystery. Like, Mark Cherry, a god he is to me, but that is not—that's just not realistic. Jonah, you recently did a pretty, pretty hefty Desperate Rewatch.
8: I'm halfway into season five.
0: Oh, oh! so you're on the second split mystery Yeah, so like you This is really the point at which they say We cannot sur- sustain a full season on one story
8: well, even even before that, in season two, the entire mystery that it, what it was supposed to be took a huge backseat to other storylines for a very long time.
0: I guess when the network tells you that you can't have an incestuous mother and son keep the father that cheated on the mother tied up in the basement to punish him for all of the things he did, I guess you have to take a little time and put the characters in the background.
7: I mean, you could keep them in the front, just not when they're black. Well, that
0: was the problem, wasn't it?
8: That, that, that was the issue.
7: They were the Apple Whites. There were some good things in this
0: in this issue, though. There really, really, really were. Because this was actually oh, an so overall much. really great issue. This was a terrific issue. It just didn't belong here. And I just want to throw out a big I love you, uh, a big I want to touch you all on the face to the Locust Vial, the Sin-Blooded Scourge of Amenth. I goddamn love you, Tarn the Uncaring, Mother Rapture, Hex Butcher, Sickbird, Mudgear the Recanter, and Amino Fetus. You guys are my new BTS. I love you six so much. I need a plush line of all of them. Oh, man.
1: It's, it's, I really wish I weren't about to admit this, but I think my girlfriend could, uh, assign which one is which. She is, she stands BTS pretty hard
0: oh i thought you meant these the locust vial and i was like wow that's really hardcore really yeah. quickly go amanda
1: frankly with her help i could definitely assign locust vials to bts uh, <laughs> I, I, I also i also a little bit feel like during my my second round of self-quarantine uh as we as we ride out this uh this unyielding nightmare. I feel a little bit like amino fetus. Like I must not feed, <laughs> I must not feed anymore. It's, it's, oh God, he's gonna it's feed. Fine. I just need like he's gonna feed. No, put it down. And it's an Oreo, and I'm like, but I've already had six. And they're like, what have you done? <laughs> I would love to see the locust file come back. I don't know that they will. I think this is something that is just untreaded
0: territory that we're not going to trod again. I kind of hope they come back so they can fight the children of the vault.
7: Now, I don't think we're going to see that locust vial, Ooh. but I think we're going to find some big, giant, nasty locust vial mutants um, in, like, a red clone tube underneath um, Sinister's, sinister's- Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Jonah, I'm kind of surprised that you weren't all about these guys because they seem like something you would just find ridiculous and gross enough to love.
8: Here's the thing. As much as I, I love to emulate Nicoisms because I do, uh, I don't always share his love for the things that are super ugly and super gross and creepy looking because no. he, because Nico loves and loves and loves to call things that are super scary, super grotesque looking cute. And wants to call them babies, and he wants to hold them. I probably
0: have, uh, I'm counting right now, I probably have 40 xenomorphs in my office.
8: That was one of the things he introduced me about Alien, is that he thought the xenomorphs were... It's
0: the cutest, cutest, sweetest thing I've ever seen, and it even has a second little mouth to kiss you with! Oh my god!
8: That's not the kind of kisses I want. But for this group, I really did enjoy them myself. It was really interesting to see the Iraqi version of Sinister, basically. Instead of being, you know, this uh, over-the-top flamboyant, wears a cape, and gets self-conscious
0: about not having his cape kind of guy. So, okay, I I gotta know. Does anybody have a favorite Locust vial? Because... I think design-wise, my favorite is probably Mother Rapture or Sickbird, But in application, oh. Amino Fetus is like the bomb shit in application.
1: You know, I, I have probably a least favorite, and that would be Mudgear the Recanter. Probably because I feel bad for him, but I also feel like it's a lazy design choice to have two, all, albeit different, like undressed grossly mutated like sickly figures of the five of them i feel like two kind of swung the aesthetic Away from like being as sleek as Mother Rapture or Sick Bird or Hex Butcher.
0: So if you're looking at the digital edition, it's page 12 where there's that second panel, and it's a really great shot of the group. And I, I can definitely see what you mean. All of the characters to the right have a very clean, clear design that looks terrific. But when you get to mudgear and Amino Fetus, they definitely kind of change the group dynamic. And like, if what you're saying is one of them and you're fine, but two of them and it's like this is comp this is Competing aesthetics, I definitely follow. It's a crowd,
1: yeah. It's it's crowded in application. I think Sick Bird is definitely the strongest, the strongest of the locust file in in terms of like functionality in design. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, I definitely get that. I that's why I said Sick Bird is on my list toward the top, just like so fucking cool looking. And like one of the they, these are like hideous monsters, but like avant garde hideous monsters, hideous monsters, but make it fashion, make it hit.
8: Make it editorial. Uh, my my personal
0: favorite is Hex Butcher. Ooh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
7: I see it. I see it.
8: There's no particular reason. He just got. He just looks cool.
7: I enjoy the carrots coming out of his chest. So the locust file did absolutely nothing for me, and I they were the least of this issue, as far as I was concerned. I was. Most probably taken by them by the fact that the main leader, the Arakan Sinister, just looked so much like the omniscient alien one character from Kieran Gillen's Uncanny Run. That mm-hmm. like, when I first saw the cover and like the preview of it, I was wondering like, "Holy shit! Did he like? Is he popping in here?" And but it's not. It just looks exactly like him.
0: One of the things that I really loved about the Lucas file, because you know, if they didn't do anything for you, I really get it. I liked the parallels between them and the X Men. And them and Sinister, like, it wasn't just one thing. He says, to me, my locust vial, which I think is a nice nod to Xavier. But, like, it, it felt like this was touching on different parts, and it was this mutated, hideous form of different parts of the X-Men. And that was one of the things I liked from it. I thought that was cute. But I do get not having any reaction to these characters. If you're not in it for the gross face, what's the point? You know what I mean? <laughs> like...
7: No, I'm in it for the Sinister, and this issue was absolutely packed with Sinister. Like, I was jumping onto our group chat, like, after reading it, just, like, screaming that Sinister absolutely flexed, and then posting sexy gifs of people flexing, because, like, I love this. Like, I loved the way Zeb Wells wrote the characters in these issue. I loved Carnero's overly elastic facial expressions. And I loved all that we got, not just from Sinister in this, but how it recontextualized Sinister in previous issues as well.
0: Yeah, I'm probably the most interested in knowing what the end game here is in a very legitimate way. Like, This is definitely going to be a long play out and the sinister chimera storyline, like we can agree that there's certain stories that they just kind of like farm to whoever someone they believe in, but it's not like one of those things where Hickman is going to be poking it and saying, no, 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 this is mine. Right. But sinister and the chimeras, that definitely feels like something Hickman would be very protective of so that this is leading us somewhere in that vein. I have to imagine this is going to be an incredibly long payoff. I imagine Hellions, like I'm just projecting now, but I can already see Hellions by Zeb Wells getting a complete omnibus when it ends.
7: Yes. And I want to stop for a second because I have so much I want to say about this issue. But just on the terms of Hickman and plotting and planning, to me, what we're watching Hickman develop into at this point of his career is very, very reminiscent. And it feels like Denny O'Neill to me. Where Denny O'Neil was probably my favorite group editor. What he evolved from as great Batman writer to the person overseeing the Batman group and and keeping all of those stories. Like the '90s Bat titles were more cohesive than probably anything else DC has tried to make cohesive in the last like 30 years and there was a lot of okay letting Dixon do this or letting uh Pfeiffer do that or letting uh Rappo do that like working with the different people and I feel like we're seeing that with Hickman here like we know the resurrection protocols are super important but Leah came in strong on it and he's apparently just completely like yes like go with that, you're doing great. You know, Teeny had for, you know, the first Horseman. And yes, no, let's do this together. And I would not be surprised at all if, you know, he had originally had intentions of doing Sinister and Chimera and Zeb Wells had some ideas and he is really kind of playing that group editor shepherd role and helping keep everything cohesive. And he appears to be fostering and shepherding these writers in the best possible way. I mean, he literally actually has that title. His title is The Head of X. I actually use Denny O'Neill as an
0: example of that as well a lot. I also like to use the example of Mike Marts at the height of his X-Men mm-hmm. was one of those guys where it made sense if Cyclops popped into that room. It was never like, what is Cyclops doing here? It was like, oh, I see where this goes in the narrative. I understand how these people are working together, how this one is starting a story. They're moving it over to Unlimited, and then they're picking it up in this title. I thought that was another really great example of that sort of cohesion. I think with this issue, that sort of braveness and giving someone else a chance to play with Sinister has been a spectacular move. Because, not that there's anything wrong with Hickman Sinister, but Sinister is someone who I do feel like we should be getting a thousand different voices from, because he's Sinister. So He's a system. Why, yeah, why wouldn't we want to see that sort of perplexity and complexity of self? He contains
7: multitudes, yo. He is. And I think it's great, too, that, like I said earlier, Sinister absolutely flexed. I cannot think of a single appearance where he has been shown as a single character to be this formidable. Typically, he has just a cadre of demons, clones, minions, things doing his fighting for him. You know, whether it's Inferno, whether it's all the years with the Nasty Boys, the most daunting that we've seen him and the most formidable was in Gillen's run, where it was just the sheer volume of the creations and clones that he was making, thanks to having a celestial head engine that made him that powerful. But here we see a single Sinister just come in and single-handedly take out Quanon, Havoc, Grey Crow, and Empath without breaking a sweat. Just absolute boss level shit from sinister and like i can't think of another time where we've seen sinister in like single combat get his hands dirty and take out anyone especially characters this strong
8: my understanding of sinister before a lot of this was creepy vampire man who kind of touched scott when he was a kid and tortured him in an orphanage for some reason and then made clones of people and then you know had uh, Scott's son named after him, and that's about as much as I knew about what Sinister kind of did. He kind of so just
0: thought he was like a hodgepodge of villain.
8: Uh, a little bit. I kind of knew he was a little bit larger than life and a little bit weird. Like he was always just a weird villain, and we love that. Uh, super queer coded. But there wasn't much to him other than he just wants mutant DNA in whatever way he's going to get it, and you can take that as however you want to take it. But Seeing him here in this multifaceted plan to get what he wants is really interesting because I think it was at the very beginning of this Dawn of X run where everybody was saying, like, you can't trust Apocalypse and you can't trust Sinister. They're both up to something. And me being like, no, they're fine. He has his bar. He might be, like, secretly collecting people's DNA, but he's fine. He's not not doing anything. And then he literally led an entire team to its death for to risk themselves to get this DNA from Iraqi mutants, which he had no way of knowing that some of his Hellions would be able to survive. And it's this interesting point of view that Sinister has as a villain where he really doesn't care about anything but himself or his mutant DNA. And even then, he doesn't exactly care about himself because he could just clone himself. And so why care about that clone? It's already dead. When I already have 50 million other ones already under my secret bar. It's a really, it's a sinister show and we're kind of all just living in it. I was just really fascinated by this plan that Sinister hatched. And I'm also still interested in seeing what that means for the Sinister that was left on Orocco. Because I hope that we kind of get to see the the vile squad again, and I hope that they're uh, that sinister is now a part of it.
0: Yeah, I kind of now that you pointed it out that way, I do need to see that sinister because I, I can't imagine sinister. On Arako is dead That just doesn't make any sense With how powerful Sinister is But, you know, Josh, to your point of He took out the entire squad of Hellions He ambushed them Because he plays dirty And in that regard, you're absolutely right But I don't think this was the same thing As him act- like This was like a quick assassination After a hard fight
7: Oh no, he didn't this- square up with them
0: yeah, this was not we actually saw him get in there and get in the fight and save the day for himself. This is, he did some surreptitious shit like Sinister always does, but it was interesting to see him have the bloody knife instead of passing it to Sabretooth, which, how has that not come up? Sabretooth is Sinister's big baby boy toy, and Sinister loves him some Sabretooth. The last... You know, thirty years of appearances of Sabretooth have all been Sinister clones. And we've even seen, and once again another Kieran Gillen story, uh, Origin Two, we saw that Sinister was interested in Sabretooth a hundred years ago. And I find myself curious how Sinister is not mentioning that he has no sabretooth, who is usually his go to boy. I mean, I guess instead he's got Wild Child. Now. I was just gonna
7: say he got he got um the B roll sabretooth instead.
0: Yeah, it's just so fascinating that, you know, we accept Sabre, like, ugh, we accept Sabretooth as the worst person in the world, but Sinister's not much better. Even in the way.
7: <laughs> I loved your macabre. <laughs> no, Sinister's not, but, like, they're, oh, God. Like, again, the recontextualization of things in this, like, even seeing and realizing why he let Empath fuck with. Grey Crow in the last issue like because he knew that it was all bullshit and the hellions were going to turn on him once he realized he sent them on a suicide mission for nothing and as long as empath was controlling Grey Crow and the longer he controlled Grey Crow the more scared he'd be to let Grey Crow go then empath would never turn and control him. Like there was levels to the levels of stuff that, ah, like all along, which was just such great characterization by Zeb Wells.
0: And you know, Zeb Wells is a guy who's famous for jumping off of books after not too much time. Like I don't expect to get more than two years out of a Zeb Wells title. Like And at at Marvel's current shipping rate, I guess I'm saying 24 issues. So I don't tend to expect to see Zeb Wells on a title longer than a year and a half. So I'm really hoping he's in this for the long haul, because there's so much behind what we're uncovering through Sinister's actions. I wonder how far back it's going to go, and I don't know if everybody remembers, but to touch back on something we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we had brought up Fallen Angels, and the reason that's significant is because the plans for Fallen Angels kind of can't exist anymore. The guy who was writing Fallen Angels had to leave after the sixth issue due to getting some upcoming projects. No one was sure what they were until very recently when it was announced he'll be writing a Power Rangers project so uh, for film. So it is notable that the gentleman who wrote Fallen Angels will not be coming back, But before he left, he said, I've been talking with the editorial office and they have some really cool ideas for what we're going to do and what they're going to do going forward. We think we have a way for this story to play out over time. And that makes me wonder if there's going to be some effort to recontextualize the events of Fallen Angels and Sinister's events there to sort of bring them fuller due into Hellions and maybe make Fallen Angels feel a little bit more significant.
8: Well, we kind of did see that the events of Fallen Angels do play a role because the only reason that uh, Psylocke Quanon leaves uh, her team is because Sinister makes her do it. He says, I got your package covered. You have to cover mine, which I don't know if that's something you should say to somebody, but (laughs) maybe not in that kind of context. But we do see that the events of Fallen Angels are playing a role in that uh, Psylocke feels like she doesn't have a choice. Sinister did cover her, and Sinister did help her out during the events of Fallen Angel, so she kind of does
1: owe him. Well, then he just stabbed her through the chest, or at least one of his clones did, so whatever, they're
0: even. But
7: who hasn't
0: stabbed someone through the chest with pointy teeth? You can
7: stab anyone you want on Krakoa. Like, it's, they come back. It's fine. It's fine! It's fine! It's fine. Who doesn't fine. kill someone? Not even against it's- the law. I feel like Sinister's going
0: about this in a very, if Wolverine can do it and get his own solo adventures and get to go to Europe and get a miniseries, I should be at least allowed to do it in the pages of my ongoing team.
7: I I definitely think Hellions is going that way into exploring and kind of tying into Fallen Angels. It's just things have been so wild on release schedule because of, you know, we got one issue of Hellions, then COVID dropped, they wrapped up that story, we were straight into X of Swords, they're heavy tied into X of Swords, and we're going to come out of it and we're going to have to probably have an issue two or two of resurrecting everyone and setting that shit straight. Like, they've been on a pretty heavy, like, this isn't the way you would normally establish the trajectory of a series, like, over the first, you know, six to ten issues.
0: I definitely agree with that. It has been a wild ride getting us here. So the cover of Hellions number seven shows Sinister crying at the graves of the Hellions, and in a lot of ways, we've known that that last page or two had to result in the death of all the Hellions. I kind of feel like putting Sinister on a cover in a dramatic way that literally matches the... They're starting to play a much bigger game. You know, if we're thinking about how X of Swords is moving in patterns, I feel like the Apocalypse era is about to come to a pause. And I think we're about to start to see the rise of the Sinister.
4: Hmm.
1: I think it's important to take stock of what characters we're losing permanently here, Uh, understanding the new rules in play as they are going into Ten of Swords. Although we're basically coming out of Ten of Swords, this is already Chapter 18. We lose Nanny and Orphan Maker in Arako. We lose Wildside in Araco. Uh, Wild child, excuse me. I always want to rope Wildside into this. I feel like Wildside would just be, you know, the 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 avuncular uncle just kind of hanging around. But uh, so we we've, we've lost Nanny and Orphan Maker and Wild Child permanently. Do we think that the remaining Hellions, uh, John Graycrow, Empath, um, Alex Summers,
7: and Betsy Quannen? Like you just said, we lost them in Arako. Very, very specifically here. No mutants died in Otherworld. Like, they died on one side of the Otherworld portal or the other. I don't think that we've lost them permanently. I think that they will be able to resurrect Arakan deaths. It's you not think another you see, world you think death. That, magic. It's not another world death.
8: I have a question. Are Nanny and Orphan Maker actual mutants or are they just robots?
7: Yes. So Can they just rebuild them? <laughs> if you go back, no, they're not robots. So, if you, uh, Nanny's origin was in X Factor 40. And what we learn is that she was a woman, a short woman, who worked for Cameron Hodge's anti mutant militia group, The Right. And when, um, They found out that she was a mutant, they did some really horrible fucked up shit to her, and she wound up in this like tin can egg suit, and then she killed a bunch of them and decided to start rescuing all the mutant children, the first of which I believe was uh, Orphan Maker, and so that's when they started going around and she was rescuing, killing the parents and rescuing the mutant children to have her mutant children, Um, and that all worked into, that was around the time of Inferno, because one of the mutant children she really wanted was uh, little Nathan Summers. But she is a person who does not need to be in the egg suit. Like she's in the egg suit because of trauma that happened to her deep into her adult life. So when Nanny is resurrected, like I'm curious to see, will we get egg Nanny back? Like what are her, what is her resurrection protocols look like? And in that same regard, one of the things
0: that stands out to me about Nanny is she took like a really strong backseat this issue, so I feel like her next appearance, she's going to have a lot to say, so there really won't be a way to avoid it. <laughs> oh, yeah,
7: she tried sicking Empath on Sinister. Like, she, she even though Quanon is, like, the leader of this group, like, Nanny barks orders. Like, Nanny is definitely in, presumes leadership senior role over other characters. And it just goes into
8: the cover that you're talking about, Nico. Do you think that this plan is going to work out for Sinister? I understand that Sinister is a very, very, very smart cookie. He's a very smart piece of mutant DNA. He's clearly a genius when it comes to strategy and manipulation and stuff like that. But this is a level, this is a gambit that I don't know if can actually pay off. He killed three mutants on the soils of Krakoa. And kind of watch another one die, but who cares about Man- Manuel, uh, who's <laughs> so hot. Oh my god, him and the goatee. Uh, anyway, enough f- fawning over that. <laughs> Do you guys think that this will work out? Because while this Sinister wouldn't have any idea of what went on in Arako, or on the mission, because it's not the same Sinister, and he can get away with stuff like that... He did just kill three mutants, and from what I understand, if the backup was made when they arrived or whenever the backup was made, he's playing. It is a, a very large gamble that he's ma- he's pl- banking on that they a. The backup wasn't made in time for them to remember what happened, and b. No psychic is going to read his mind to try to understand the events of what happened. I, I, I fail to see how this is going to work out well for him.
0: I'm completely with you, but you, we do know that you can restore to a previous backup. So he might even say, Oh, the events of the month were so horrible. You have to do it to the previous backup. Don't let them remember that shit. It was real bad. And as far as I know, reading Sinister's Mind takes like some uber-omega level, and it, it, it takes a lot of work, but I do not know that this is going to succeed. I think we were shown that it succeeded in the future, so somebody can stop it in the present.
7: Hmm. I, I would say, I, looking at this, I think that we're going to see a couple more rounds of Sinister succeeding. Um, like, there's going to be a lot of points where it looks like or feels like, you know, the, the X-Men before Hawks Pox, we got to remember, used to lose all the time, like all the frickin' time. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one where, like, Sinister is going to keep getting away with stuff and building stuff and... Like that one's just going to keep getting worse and out of control for a while. And, you know, we think they might win or get him and stop. And it, it just doesn't like long term, whatever Hickman's long term plan is. No, I don't think Sinister ultimately succeeds. I don't think it goes down the way it did in Moira's life nine. But I think he's got a couple more escapes and victories in him. I even kind of hope that we get
0: Sinister in some very new form. I love Miss Sinister. She's adorable, right? But I really would, you know, then there's a million problematic things with that. But I would love to see some Evan Sabanor take on Sinister. Like, this doesn't have to work, but and I don't necessarily think he needs to be named Kid Sinister or anything, but I would really, really be into a sort of Kid Sinister situation.
7: Can nanny can nanny make him like a little kid again that she takes care of like she did to like she tried to do to Storm back in the Siege Powerless time?
0: And think about how matched that would be to what he did to Scott. Somebody with ulterior motives manipulating the outcome of his life by utilizing the fact that he's a child and in a submissive position, incapable of fighting and unaware of the power he has. So, like, it even creates a beautiful balance for the – what's the phrase I'm looking for? Rapey piece of shit sinister has always been, and it gives us an (laughs) opportunity to see that come due on his gross ass. Because that is another thing. Sinister is one of those characters like Apocalypse where it's really difficult to define his abilities. He basically can alter reality. Basically. Not quite, but basically. And with that in mind, you know, he's so overgodly powerful. I very frequently think that Sinister is just holding back, like my precious Exodus. I don't think Sinister has ever given us one fiftieth of Sinister. I'm
1: excited to see what comes of the mutilated um Arakan Sinister.
0: You know, I really, I had never even thought of that. I just was like, oh, he'll be dead. But you guys said that, and suddenly my whole world changed. I mean, they sliced him up like the horse in the cell. It, But we've seen Sinister turn to ribbons and knit himself back together.
7: Mm-hmm. So
0: we've seen him recover from having uh, his torso blown out. I'm pretty sure yeah. he's been... Like, you know, he's just one of those characters that outside of those wonderful teeth, his teeth are the best part. It's the teeth and the diamond. Hey, everybody, I'm Nico. And I'm Maddie. And in this next clip, the cast brings up a character that I feel like we don't get to talk about enough on this show. I'm a pretty big fan of her. Maddie, do you have any experience with the Daredevil side character, Echo?
1: no you know only via wiki spiraling but i i noticed echo in this and i'm actually getting my hands on it today i'm very excited to dive into the pages of marvel indigenous people
0: i hear you say that you don't have too much experience with her but in case you've seen daredevil Starring Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, you actually have a pretty strong sense of who Echo is, as the Electra backstory and even a number of their fights in public are carbon copies, are the events of parts of a whole, the Echo storyline that introduced her in the pages of Daredevil. So you might not know too much about her, you might know a ton about her, but either way, it's exciting that she comes up in this next clip featuring the voices of Nathan, Robbie, Kyle, and Evelyn, where they talk about the amazing special that Marvel put together featuring Native American heroes along the lines of Danny Moonstar, Echo, and more. We hope
6: you guys enjoy.
9: I'm Nathan. You can find me at Dazzler AOA. Where can we find you at Kyle?
6: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. Where can we find you, Robbie?
10: You can find me on Twitter at Age of Polaris. And where can we find you, Evelyn?
6: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Comic underscore Canary.
9: We're covering Marvel voices, indigenous voices, with a plethora of writers. So let's jump in. What is... Do you guys all have a favorite story out of the issue?
6: I loved the second story. Yeah, the Mirage story was my favorite as well. I would say the same.
9: Absolutely. I mean, definitely, right? We're, we're actually related podcast so that's probably where we are all going (laughs) to lean (laughs) I loved and I hated that Rain was part of the story I would have loved to see Danny have the story all to herself without Rain but I did love the way that she was brought in in the camaraderie
6: definitely I I think it really does make sense for them to be there together just because of how connected they are and the fact that they are still doing their mission to help mutants in trouble that really does speak a lot to me especially when the members of that reservation had reached out directly to danny so i absolutely love that connection that she still had with her own culture, even though she's also now Krakoa.
9: Absolutely, I love that line where he asks her, like, "Hey, are you like, are you Native American or are you mutant?" And she's like, "I'm both, and I'm and I'm Valkyrie, and I'm also I love coffee. Like, you can be all of these things, and Krakoa still let you be you, who you are. So, like, just because you're mutant doesn't mean everything else that you had in the past has to go away.
10: I really, really love that panel a lot. It was, it was. Is beautiful. Like, that message that that writer was able to bring out through Danny, phenomenal. Like, honestly, I think that right there might be one of my favorite panels of the like, 20 book.
6: Mine too. I, I really wish that it was a message that had been a part of Dawn of X, but having it here in this particular issue also really helped to cement that feeling that just because you're Krakoan doesn't mean that you lose the rest of your culture. Mm-hmm.
9: Oh, Absolutely. No, Robbie, I agree with you. It is really one of the greatest and it's so well done to me. Um, because it's not it's not condescending. You know, so many times when they have like we all remember the famous Kitty Pride speech way back when where she said some words she shouldn't. But when you look back at that, that's so condescending in a way. This is just it's so like it's natural and it's like she's like, Hey, I'm all of these things. I don't I don't have to just be one. So what did we think about the overall story? Like the the mutant's powers, like they were kind of fascinating to me.
6: Oh man. And they yeah, I found them really fascinating. Just just the idea that he was able to kind of summon these creatures to protect himself or those around him. I mean, they're they're terrifying oh, my monsters. But-, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a really fascinating power and I'm, I'm hoping that we could see more of him. So that was a him, right? Ye- I believe, Ye- so, yeah. believe so, yeah. Okay.
9: Okay. Oh, yeah, well, no, no, they do say he's a mutant, so yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. Okay, um, because I'd, I'd love to be able to see them uh, experiment more with what he can do. Yeah, imagine him on
10: X-Force. <laughs> <gasps>
4: yeah.
9: Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, he could take on those weird creatures they were just battling. Ooh. <laughs> oh my and i love that danny's animal telepathy i guess that's what it is was able to still communicate with these like totally like made up creatures it's really cool oh uh, that one that they're riding like his arms they're amazing like just like he's got like legs in the back and looks like fighter hooks in the front yeah yeah and those terrifying bat creatures
6: oh, oh my <laughs> <That> was, god <laughs> i would be curious to see if they're like
2: anything from like where oh my god I'm totally blanking on the name um the realm that um nightcrawler uh goes through oh, and teleports I
8: would the,
9: the it's
6: related to that
9: Dark Force dimension? Yes,
6: that's what yeah. that's what the name is. That's kind oh, of what you, I kind of got from that was Oh. That you know that kind of vibe. I, I, I think
10: you're on something because that makes that would fit really well.
9: Oh, I like that idea. That is crazy. I love that like and it's really weird like have we even seen much of it i know a lot of not just mutants but i know a lot of superheroes draw their power from the dark force dimension but we haven't really seen what's inside of it these oh my god these terrifying creatures could live inside there Holy i just shit. finished binge watch-
0: <laughs> i just finished binge
2: watching x-men evolution and they literally have an entire episode about it so like that's the only reason
6: it's in my head right now <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Oh, the Dark Force. Oh, oh, the Dark Force. (laughs) I remember the Dark Force. Oh, champions. (laughs) Uh... Oh, New
9: Warriors did a lot with it, too, in that weird 90-way.
6: Oh,
4: yeah. (laughs) Okay,
9: (laughs) so... Reading this issue, though, like, to me, I've always been torn, like, who Danny Moonstar's best friend is. Yes, a lot of people think it's Rain, but I've always thought it was kind of Shan, so I don't know. Do you guys, are you guys Team Rain on that, or where do you guys sit?
6: I've always been Team Rain. I would say
10: Rain mainly because... I feel like we see more of Rain.
9: Yeah, that makes sense. The reason I think Shan is, like, I think earlier on, the friendship between Rain and Danny was, like, really well fleshed out. And I think ever since they kind of graduated, especially when Danny had to kick Rain out of being a teacher in the school, I just always felt like Danny and Shan have had more of a adult friendship, whereas, like, Danny and Rain are more, like, happy-go-lucky kids. And maybe, maybe they're both just important to every person to have all those kinds of friendships, too. Hmm. Um, okay. so obviously we get, uh, at the end of the story, we get one week later. And I love that dorm is like this, like diplomatic force for Kurkoa Cause she's out there, you know, greeting the leader. Like and you've got Kurt with this flower. Oh,
6: mm. oh. Yes, yes. I, I love that the the connection that they were able to create with the native nations as a result of Danny and Rain's um, mission really helped to solidify just future relations with everybody.
4: Mm-hmm.
9: Oh, absolutely. I, I love that the Krakoan nation actually took time to formally create diplomatic relations, not just with the United States, but with the with the tribe. I, I, I loved that step. It was, it really said a lot to signify, I think, what Marvel's trying to do with this whole issue that, you know, that we need to make sure that we recognize the sovereignty that the tribes have. Yes. Makes, um. Now, were there any parts of the other stories that you guys like? I personally loved that first flash page. I love that Watu's back in Marvel, just came back after Empire, right? Um, yep. So, I I love I loved him being like the big flash page. I I miss that. Like I miss the what ifs. I miss the big events where you know you knew it was big if Uatu showed up.
6: Mm, the art style in his section of the book is absolutely beautiful and seeing the represented representations of each of the characters that he speaks of like i said it's it's so beautiful absolutely and i love that they recognize john proudstar who has been dead since the 70s
9: oh yeah i want have we not seen him come back because his mutation is what sinister has i wonder i mean weird side but like i wonder if that's why we haven't seen john proudstar come back
6: i honestly don't know yeah i'm not sure
9: or maybe it's just a story that They haven't told us yet. Um, So I want to say Echo's story. I really like that. I haven't had much exposure with Echo as a character. Really only reading her throughout Captain Marvel's book. Um, But I loved this look into her character. And it really has made me want to read and learn more about her.
10: Same. Uh, I would definitely say the same with that. Because she's a character that I've read in like minor Avengers stuff. And like minor Daredevil stuff. But um, other than that, you don't really see her... A whole lot of her so it was really nice for her to get us you know a very good spotlight like this and I really hope with them showcasing her that that means that they have more plans and I really really love the um the use of sign language in that <sighs> issue with Captain Marvel talking to her
9: oh yeah, yeah. even though it turned out to be well, the trickster god Loki but <laughs> <laughs> you trickster uh, but yeah no maybe you're right Maybe, because Loki at the end does say, "Your future won't be easy, Maya Lopez," but I think you're going to be ready for what comes next. Like, definitely, mm-hmm. Marvel is really trying to set. I love that. I love that. Mm. Like, I love that. Like, I love what I've seen. So I want. I really want to see more. All right. And what did you guys think of the Silver Fox story?
10: Personally, I wasn't a fan of like maybe the pacing of it. It did seem,
9: yeah. I can see on that.
6: I'm not sure. Honestly, I liked what I read, but whereas the first two seemed to be leading up to something in the future, Mm. this was more looking back and filling in backstory of a character who I've never encountered before. I've never read the original Wolverine solo series, so it's it's been it's it's a lot of information that didn't really make a lot of sense to me.
9: Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, my favorite part was like like oh is that a coyote she gets or is it like a just a dog i think it's just a wolf oh she gets a wolf oh that little wolf is so cute it's I'm very like... cute
6: yeah
9: yeah <laughs> i'm like i see why she wanted to snuggle with him i want to snuggle with him too yeah. so. <laughs> 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 oh um but yeah no i i loved this i loved i loved that marvel did this book i love the characters that they picked i would have loved to see like i'm a big fan of like talisman i love her from alpha flight i would have loved to see something from her in there i would have loved to see shaman like you could have a shaman talisman family story um I, I would have obviously loved to see something with James or John Proudstar Uh, mm. but I, I did I did appreciate getting to know Echo more because that that I'm like wow this is I really want to know more about it. um so are there any, any thoughts you guys are having on any overall thoughts on the issue itself or
6: I just I loved all the artwork I thought it was so beautiful, beautiful definitely definitely it's all of them have these beautiful styles that work well with the characters that are involved and it just it just opened my eyes a little more to what these characters deal with and i love that
10: honestly i wish this was an ongoing series with all. yes <laughs> to be honest like if we could get like a little short story with like say like echo every few issues i would eat that shit up <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
6: I agree. I definitely hope that we get to see more of these because this this was an enjoyable book and being able to see these characters that don't always pop up it's a good thing for marvel to do i think
9: oh gosh absolutely yeah no i think i think danny moonstar is probably the only one who regularly appears i know silver yes. fox silver fox is very sporadic in her appearances and echo is probably appears more than silver fox but has the same sort of isn't published as much as she should be uh, yeah no that's a great idea robbie though i would love to see this is like a, a series like you know just just covering different characters that they mentioned up front
10: because that's the thing like they mentioned a bunch of characters characters in like the first page or first few pages and it'll be disappointing in like the next few years if we don't see anything from like most of those characters like if we only get like you know i mean it would be nice it would be nice to you know see more stuff with danny and echo obviously but like if they kind of you know don't do anything with every other character that's mentioned it, that's kind of disappointing
9: no i agree because like so let's see so we've got warpath and danny and they are going to be over in new mutants Mm -hmm. It's going to be written by the phenomenal vita they are so great i can't wait for that ford shows up pretty regularly in uh, x-force
6: x-force yep
9: wyatt i haven't seen much of him much i've been following fantastic four that's usually where he shows up um obviously thunderbird we haven't seen anything of and i swear to gravy if i don't see shaman snowbird and talisman in an alpha flight (laughs) reunion soon i'm gonna be so heartbroken
6: (laughs) (laughs) they really need to show up soon
9: uh like come on, like I, we got the we got a one shot. Was it this year or last year? This year's been so long, I don't even remember. We got a one shot very recently of Alpha Flight, but besides that, we really haven't seen anything of Alpha Flight, which has a really high contingent of First Nation um, members. So I, I, I really love to see that be explored and like the whole thing grown. Um, but overall, I would say I love this issue. Like maybe Silver Fox was my least favorite story, but I still I learned more about her than I knew before. Obviously since Danny was a main focus, do you guys have a a quick story? that you like? Do you have a favorite Danny Moonstar story? I
6: guess I really like Demon Bear.
9: Demon Bear's classic. (laughs) Yeah.
6: (laughs) I haven't really explored the New Mutants beyond that point due to Marvel Unlimited's availability at that time.
9: Yeah, I would say Marvel Unlimited. Uh, Robbie, do you have a favorite Danny Moonstar story?
10: I think one of my I think my favorite moment would be when she adopted a elixir (gasps) which i don't i mean i really wish they would like touch up on that again (laughs) um (laughs) it kind of i don't know kind of feels like they forgot about that a tad bit but yeah that was i think that's one of my favorite moments when she adopted
9: it was it was very full circle for her because that's what happened i mean basically xavier took that role for her so she took that role for him it was it was and her as a teacher and like almost like the headmistress of that little thing but even though she was just the main head teacher like i really loved that journey uh Evelyn do you have a favorite Danny Moonstar story
0: unfortunately not I haven't read much of them
9: okay but no no no
2: listening to you guys talk about it, it's like oh I think I'm gonna have to like <laughs> read some it sounds interesting
10: oh definitely do she, yeah she's one of the best <laughs> <laughs> she really is <laughs> she is
9: um obviously so my favorite like obviously with danny you've got demon bear you've got the Asgard, Escor- the asgardian saga which is a big part of her development i would say like i love those my favorite offbeat maybe not as well known danny moonstar story would be the fearless defenders um it gave her a chance to shine as a valkyrie and outside of the x titles which i always find it fascinating when they let the x characters kind of become a part of the general Marvel universe. Thank hmm. you.